Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, January 14th, 2021. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We are kicking off 2021 in very exciting fashion here. Um, last week, we had my exclusive interview with Raw star Keith Lee. Today, we're talking to WWE Hall of Famer Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I know it can't get much better than that, but we are going to have AJ Styles here on WrestleRant Radio next week to discuss his Royal Rumble debut, to discuss coming to WWE, almost leaving WWE, if he was ever close to leaving WWE, that is, in 2019. Favorite matches, moments, and so much more. A great conversation with one of my favorites, the phenomenal one, uh, coming up next week here on this show. You can listen to that interview first, though, on my YouTube channel when it goes live tomorrow morning, Friday. It's going to be January 15th at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday morning, as I said, at youtube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. And you can also read the full article at that exact same time on Friday morning at uh, Bleach Report as well. So very exciting stuff on the pipeline, in the pipeline, whatever. Um, AJ Styles interview coming to WrestleRant Radio next week. The Stone Cold Steve Austin interview went live last week on Bleach Report and also on the aforementioned YouTube channel. Um, we're going to be airing it again here today on WrestleRant Radio because it was that cool of a conversation, and it just gives me another excuse to replay my awesome interview with the WWE Hall of Famer, the Texas Rattlesnake himself, Stone Cold Steve Austin, talking all about season two of Straight Up Steve Austin. We're talking about the podcasting world, retiring from wrestling, the current WWE product, his favorite guests, uh, eventually interviewing The Rock at some point, his last Raw appearance in March of 2020, and so much more. So that'll be coming up momentarily. In addition to the weekly conversation, the weekly wrestling break, uh, the weekly wrestling breakdown, excuse me, for myself and Mr. Marceau, talking all about another abysmal episode of Raw on Monday, NXT last night, in addition to night two of AEW New Year's Smash, in addition to Dynamite on Wednesday as well. Before we get to any of that, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. Never miss an episode. Rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. You can find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Or I'm sorry for Facebook, it's Facebook.com backslash Graham dot dot GSM dot Matthews. And on YouTube, it's YouTube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So pretty much Graham GSM Matthews everywhere. Bleach Report as well, Daily DDT, What Culture, and Sports Betting Dime. Uh, we also got a chance to talk to Fandango. Now that interview is not making the show, is not making Russell Rant Radio, but you're going to have to subscribe to the YouTube channel to get that one. From yesterday, the article went up on DailyDDT.com. The audio is available right now on YouTube. Another great conversation with Fandango as well, the current NXT star. Uh, but with all that being said, let's get right into it. My exclusive interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hey, Graham, what's happening? Hey, Steve, how you doing, sir? 
Oh, another day at the office. <laughs> How was your Christmas? It was very low key. <laughs> Obviously, you know the situation. So yeah. it was just my wife, myself, uh, our three dogs, and we just we stayed here in the house and just kind of chilled. Nice. How's your 2020 been so far? Because you wrapped up season two of the Steve Austin show, or straight up Steve Austin, rather earlier on in 2020, right? Yes, we did, and I was so thankful to get that in the can. And we got pushed; production got slowed down because of you know everything that happened. And then finally, they gave us a green light to uh, a window to get it done. We were able to get it done in that window and observe all the precautions mm-hmm. and all the protocol. And it was a it was a it was challenging, but I think we made the most of it. We operated safely and came out with a, a show that I'm very proud of. And I had been sitting on my ass for so long, waiting for this thing to, to happen. I was <laughs> chomping at the bit, you know, like a lot of people, to get back to work. So it was yeah. a breath of fresh air for me. Well, you've been a busy man, Steve, recently. Between this, uh, you got Straight Up Steve Austin coming back on January 11th. You've been recording the Broken Skull Sessions for WWE Network. you got your podcast as well. What have you noticed in doing the last two seasons of Straight Up Steve Austin? What have you noticed have been the biggest differences between doing a podcast, sitting down and talking to someone, and then doing a show like Straight Up Steve Austin where you're out you know, showing Sal from Impractical Jokers, the ring ropes, and stuff like that, kind of going outside and doing activities and whatnot? Well, I mean, you know, the podcast, you know, I kind of uh, put the put the brakes on that uh, a few months ago when, when COVID hit. So I'll probably continue that. I'll start that back up in 2021. But uh, the podcast is something just a lot looser because, you know, you're, you're sitting in front of each other on, with a microphone. So mm-hmm. and you're just it's kind of like a BS session, you know, with, with straight up, you know, we've got what, three or four segments and they're, ex- you know, it's it's a it's a it's a half hour show. So, you know, you've got to get your stuff in, uh, you know, talk about what these people have going. I mean, you know, it, it's we run a pretty tight ship. And I just I'm lucky that we have uh, the, the showrunner. We, we, we have uh, the producer that's uh, always working with me to make me better. It's 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 really it's, you're facilitating a process. You're hosting. But hosting on television for you know a short amount of time, you, you're you're operating under different constraints mm-hmm. than a podcast, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, so far you've had so many great guests between season one, season two. We're about to see in a couple weeks. You had Baker Mayfield, Gabriel Iglesias on in season one. Season two, we're going to see Charlotte Flair, Ice T, and a number of other people. Um, so far, who has been your favorite guest? On Straight Up Steve Austin, obviously you've interviewed multiple other people with Broken Skull Sessions and uh, the Steve Austin Show on Podcast One. Who has been your favorite guest so far, and who's still on that bucket list of people that you want to talk to in an interview? Man, I don't want to put my bucket list out there uh, because, uh, you know, if we get season three, you know, I'll come up with a list. USA Network comes up with a list. Mm -hmm. My production team comes up with a list, so I don't want to tip my hand yet. But I've enjoyed, I, I have to say, I, I've enjoyed each and every one of my guests. But, you know, like this season, hanging out with Luke Holmes, he's the hottest singer on two feet right now mm-hmm. with nine straight number one hits. Ice-T, riding around with that guy, and he's dropping life knowledge from, you know, his childhood. He basically, you know, raised himself. And, you know, he's the OG of uh, rap music. So uh, Tiffany Haddish, she is like, uh, physical. I mean, you can actually feel the charisma and energy emanating from her, and I, I haven't felt that off hardly anybody I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And she, she's absolutely incredible. Uh, Charlotte was, I, you know, 
we hit it off right off the bat. This is the longest I've ever got a chance to, you know, really hang out with Charlotte and get mm-hmm. to know really a lot more about her. And, you know, Brett Favre, football is my favorite sport in the world, along with pro wrestling and UFC. So when you hang out with one of the GOATs, that's an awesome day at the office. And, you know, Bert Kreischer had me, I, you know, you know, there was a lot of the stuff with Bert didn't make the show because I was laughing my ass off and it was a little bit off color, but you mm-hmm. know, each one of the people that I hang out with always has something uh, interesting to say. And, and, you know, like Steve O this guy out of all the crazy stuff that he's done, when you sit there and you hang out with that guy, you realize how intelligent and how hard, hard working he is mm-hmm. and to come out of the things he's come out of. And, you know, and while I'm at a Joel McHale, I mean, this guy can act, he can do stand up, he can host. I mean, he's like a jack of all trades and he's quick as lightning on his feet. So I can't, I hate to just say a favorite because I would be singling someone out. Sure. I just, I, I would say that each, each person brings a different flavor to the show because it's unique to their personality and we try to pick the activities accordingly. Whether it be the Steve Austin show or straight up Steve Austin or in any other form, whether it be Broken Skull Sessions as well. Is there a chance that we still might get that rock interview at some point? It seems like he might be the biggest get the biggest guest that you haven't gotten on so far, whether it be in entertainment, wrestling, whatnot. And you guys go way back. And of course, he's the busiest man in all of Hollywood right now. But do you, are you still holding out hope to get that interview with the rock at some point? And you guys just kind of shooting the shit and whatnot? Well, come on, let's face it. He's the biggest get that anybody would get, sure. right? Yep. So yeah, we've, we've uh, extended an offer for broken skull session. We've, extended an invite to uh, straight up Steve Austin, uh, you know, on multiple occasions. And, you know, like you just said, he's one of the busiest human beings on the planet. Uh, we have a, uh, a past and a, a, a shared brotherhood and chemistry from all, all of our memories in the ring, working with each other, you know, may, maybe one, one day, hopefully I would love that to happen. You've been in the podcasting interviewing game for about seven years now, Steve, with the debut of the Steve Austin show on podcast one back in 2013, which is just about as long as you were in WWE. So for as long as you've been doing this, interviewing people, doing the podcasting thing, when do you really feel like you hit your stride as an interviewer? Not to blow smoke, but I think a lot of people would say that you're one of the best interviewers out there, at least in the wrestling one, but even outside of that as well, with all the interviews you've done on Straight Up Steve Austin, when do you feel you really hit your stride as a podcaster, as an interviewer? Man, I don't know, because sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm my own worst critic, and I don't know how you are when you listen to yourself back, but I can't stand the sound of my own voice. Absolutely, yep. So, you know, and there, there have been some nice compliments come my way, but you know, I've had my, I have my moments where things aren't so great as well. So, uh, I appreciate you saying that, but I, I don't know when I hit my stride. I'm just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you get in, in the wrestling business, you start off, you're green and you're trying to, to be a wrestler. And so you you learn it and then you are a wrestler. And so, like in the podcast business, or even this, even in hosting, you, you're trying to be a host, and uh, then you, get, hey man, it's not about me; it's about the guest. Mm-hmm. So you learn that, and you, you know, it's just I think it's repetition and doing things over and over and over, getting and, and getting better at them, and uh, also, you know, with specific, specifically with Straight Up Steve Austin and Broken Skull Sessions. Uh, I have an excellent supporting cast who helps me tremendously mm-hmm. with the podcast. Hey man, that was a one man show. I turned that into my producer and he'd throw in the commercials and you know, that was just uh, you know, a real loose setting. And I enjoy 
each of the three settings, but they're all kind of different. And hey, man, I'm doing my damnedest to to to, to do my best. And I've been fortunate, Steve, to be at two Raws that you were at, both the 25th anniversary of Raw Barclays a couple of years ago, which was a great show, you kicking off the show with Vince, and then your appearance at MSG last year in September of 2019. Both times, of all the shows that I've been to over the last decade, you got the biggest you got the biggest pop I've ever heard. It was absolutely thunderous in both arenas. And it's crazy now watching the show, there are no fans. You were on that first pandemic show back in March um, on 316 day with no fans there. You tried to make the most of it. It was a weird situation. Uh, what do you think is the barometer right now for these talent to be, you know, knowing that what's working, what's not with no fans, there is someone who would always feed off the audience throughout their career. Boy, that's really tough, man, because I went down there uh, to do that pr- that promo that I did. And I tried, I went to Vince's trailer three times to try to talk him out of that. I said, let me just, Byron Saxon was there. I said, just let me do a shoot interview with Byron and we'll talk about what's real and mm-hmm. what's really going on. And he goes, God dang it, Steve. He goes, people are going to be suffering. He goes, let's just let's just go out there and, you know, because the, the promo was terrible. Oh my God, and the, <laughs> the, the creative was terrible. Yeah. But you know, let's 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 don't hammer that home. I'm just making a point. It was yep. bad, and it was so uncomfortable because I am a crowd guy. I I I work purely off instinct and I work off the sound that that crowd has given me. So I think with the advent and of the Thunderdome that it does, you know, because, you know, they're controlling noise and stuff like that. I think that does help uh, the performers, the superstars, you know, make, make decisions accordingly. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's when I went out there, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it was, it was extremely hard because I had never done anything like that. And mm-hmm. I didn't like the material to begin with. Uh, but at the end of the day, I said, you know what, Vince has got way more problems than me in here, uh, pissing and moaning about this creative. So I'll go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. But I take my hat off to the men and women down there who, uh, are doing the absolute best they can. And, you know, I was talking to Drew McIntyre on broken skull mm-hmm. the other day. And, uh, you know, there's a guy who's, really really polished and at the peak of his career and it's a shame all of them first you know all of them but you know really you know drew to be as good as he is right now not be able to work in front of a a crowd and to get those desired responses that you're working for and, and then go accordingly based on that feedback you know it's a shame but you know maybe one of these days or whatever will happen things will get back to normal and people can go back into arenas and give these these superstars and any anybody that performs the feedback that that they need to be the best they can be 100 percent. and you talked about drew mcintyre you had him on broken skull sessions recently we are getting the bailey one as the next episode right is that accurate well, I, I just read that today or yesterday, so I guess I can't confirm that. And uh, I, I, Bailey's one of my favorites. Yeah. I think she's one of the most entertaining heels in the business right now. No, absolutely, hundred percent. What Drew McIntyre, Bailey? Is there anyone else right now, either in WWE or AEW, if you've been catching up with that, are you know, uh, you know, keeping in contact with the, uh, you know, watching the promotion and whatever? Has there been anyone from either company that's been impressing you this year? I mean, especially in light of the current circumstances. Uh man impressing me well you know i was just talking to uh justin barrasso i I like the combination of uh roman and paul uh Heyman. Mm -hmm. uh you know obviously you know i haven't been watching a whole lot of anything because of the situation that's been going on so i can't really accurately you know answer your question other than i always make sure i tune in watch bailey and sasha and you know now charlotte's back so i watch charlotte Mm -hmm. uh just because i'm those are the three that I really, really follow. 
Yeah. No, they're all doing great work. Charlotte just came back, like you said, last Sunday at the pay-per-view. I got to ask, Steve, as a longtime fan of The Good Place on NBC, they made a lot of references to you on that show. Like, a lot. From Kirsten Bell, she was making a lot of references to you on that show over the last couple of years. Was there ever a plan in place for you to appear on the show at any point, or were those just references, whether you heard about them or not? No, I, I always heard about them on Twitter and stuff like yeah. that, and then I see the memes or the little clips and they're absolutely hilarious. And, I, and I've never seen the show because I just I don't watch hardly any TV. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen the clips, and I just think it's funny as hell. And of course, she's a, she's an amazing actress. Actress, and the way she delivers the lines, it's it's hilarious. But there's never been any plans for me to be on the show. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, hey, but but I, I I am flattered as hell that they do that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was funny. I was I was waiting for you to make an appearance at some point. It didn't happen, but it was cool to hear your name brought up nonetheless, as both a fan of the show. And a wrestling fan, but a final few questions for you, Steve. Having been out of the ring for so long now, you've been retired since 2003. You've been doing the interviewing, the podcasting for so long. Like I said, almost as long as your WWE career was. Is it weird now for fans of today? Like, for example, I'm 25, only been watching the product for a little over 10 years now. I know you more as an interviewer. I've been listening to every episode of the show, of the podcast, for seven years now. Is it weird for fans such as myself to know you more? I mean, obviously, we're familiar with your wrestling career, but is it weird for fans of today to know you more from the interview stuff and the podcasting stuff and straight-up Steve Austin and stuff like that? Man, I'm glad about that. (laughs) <laughs> because I love it because I'm cre- creating a new fan base or maintaining and, and growing a fan base because mm-hmm. what I did back then, like you said, it's, it started in 89 and it stopped in 03. Uh, but you know, I'm still one of the most researched pers- people, if not the most on the WWE network. Mm-hmm. So the WWE network, the video games kind of keep me, uh, the other day, a few months ago, I was somewhere and this guy says, hey, man, you're my son's favorite wrestler. And, well, my first question to that is, well, how old is he? And he's five. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I retired in 03. He goes, it doesn't matter. He goes, it's the video games. It's, it's uh, uh, the WWE Network and it's YouTube. I said, well, I'm not going to argue with him, right? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it, it is cool for people to know me now from straight up or Broken Skull or, you know, the podcasting world. Because I was kind of one of those second wave OG OG guys in that podcast business, and so it's great to be known for something other than wrestling, you know. And I'm proud of my wrestling career, but like I've said many many times, you know, I, I've moved on from that, and uh, I've left some lasting memories uh, through so many people that supported me for so long, and they got to live vicariously through those storylines. But you know, it's it's 2020 right now, and it's fixed to be 2021, and mm-hmm. you know that's where I'm living, and that's where I'm, where my head's at. But I appreciate the memories. But yeah, I'm I'm super stoked that you know you know me more from my recent stuff. Absolutely. And final question for you, Steve, kind of on that same subject. You're a man of many catchphrases. Obviously, people know the Austin 316 thing is a very popular one that you get asked about a lot. As someone who's been following your podcast for so long, I got to know, because I always end every conversation that I talk to someone with, with, I'll catch your ass down the road. I say, I end every show with it. I end every conversation with it. You close every podcast with it. What is the backstory of the I'll catch your ass down the road? And can we get one here from you, if if possible? Yeah, man, you know, I... My brother Kevin, he's ten months younger than me. Mm-hmm. That's that's you know that's pretty quick. We always used to call Kevin the accident. 
because you know who, who gets who gets pregnant pregnant <laughs> ten months after after I was born. So he can we always call Kevin the accident. But my brother, he uh, he used to ride bulls and he, uh, drink beer and raise hell. You know this is back when I was you know going to sleep early and uh, lifting weights and training to be and, you know a football player and later on get into wrestling. Uh, but you know hell I I got that saying from him. He goes God dang he goes I'll catch you down the road, and I was like hey I, I like that. And for several years ago. And so anyway, so that was that, that's where I got that from. I got that from my brother, Kevin, and I changed it to uh, my saying, I'll catch your ass down the road. I mm-hmm. put the ass in there, but I got the and he didn't invent the saying. I guess people have been saying that for years, but you don't hear everybody say it. And so now it's kind of specific to me, but I got it from my younger brother, Kevin. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> Fantastic, Steve. Well, Straight Up Steve Austin comes back on USA Network Monday, January 11th, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, right after Monday Night Raw. Steve, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for the time. I don't drink beer, but I do drink water and soda, so swig a beer, or w- rather water or soda for the working man, and I'll catch your ass down the road, Steve. Thanks so much. Hey, I'll catch your ass down the road, too. I appreciate you helping us spread the word on the show. This is a damn good season. I hope we uh, maintain our audience. We were the number one unscripted show uh, last year in our demographics of 18 to 49, so if we can maintain that, I'll be uh, happier than a pig in mud. <laughs> Fantastic, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. We're only a couple weeks away. Should be awesome. Can't wait. It can't kick off the year any better than that. Thanks so much, You're Steve. Damn right. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I think the coolest part about that for me was not only being able to talk to Stone Cold, but being able to get one of those catch your ass down the roads from him during our conversation. I might find a way to splice that in here to the audio. Um, obviously, not only this show, but like the intro going forward or the outro or something. Because I feel like that's too perfect to not include, whether it be at the beginning of the show, at the outro of the show with just him either saying hey Graham or catch your ass down the road that's just the mark in me speaking I think that'd be pretty cool but uh, while I'm working on that check out my conversation right now with Mr. Marceau talking raw dynamite and NXT from this past week Mr. Marceau how you doing brother doing wonderful today how are you doing well coming off that amazing episode of raw on Monday night Oh my god, it, it was so good I only saw it probably 20 minutes so what was the game that was going on simultaneously it was the national championship for football. It was Alabama versus Ohio State. And that's where that video that I saw came from? Uh, which one? <laughs> the one that was taking place in COVID City? Yeah, 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 probably. I don't know. It was in Miami, so they had fans, yeah. I heard the uh, Browns game was pretty good the other week. They, they killed the Steelers, yeah. It was crazy. Was that on Sunday? That was Sunday night. It was uh, the nine o'clock, uh, 8 o'clock game. Oh, okay, okay. Well, anything is better than Monday Night Raw right now. New Year, same old shit. We're going to discuss the highlights from Raw on Monday, in addition to night two of New Year's Smash of AEW Dynamite on Wednesday and NXT from Wednesday, which I thought were two solid shows, albeit nothing too newsworthy. Um, anything is more bearable than Raw, because given the circumstances, you should give them a pass, but... Even with a full, healthy roster, it doesn't seem like this company can quite figure out how to put together three compelling hours of television on Mondays. I don't know why. We've discussed it at length, and it's the same stuff every single week. So we'll start off with that. Uh, we'll start off with the obvious, actually. It was announced a couple hours before Raw on Monday that Drew McIntyre tested positive for COVID-19. Now, he was the only one announced, but if you watch Raw on Monday, it's not a stretch to say that a few other people probably caught it as well. Um, Per a report, I believe, I I don't remember if it was from Meltzer or PW Insider, Mike Johnson. I don't remember exactly. Uh, Maybe it was Fightful, but they made a report. They issued a report saying that um, 
there's this new outbreak of COVID in WWE, AEW, even Impact that might sideline some people. Um, AEW, it seems like they do a pretty good job of disclosing who has it, who doesn't, who is in contact with someone who might have it. Um, that's why the Thunder Rose and Brett Baker match was called off last week, and we're getting that now at beach break in a couple of weeks, uh, which is why she filmed that promo on her phone on Wednesday. Um, but Drew McIntyre is the only one that WWE confirmed. Charlie Caruso wasn't there. Ricochet wasn't there. Uh, Kofi Kingston wasn't there, but I don't think that was a COVID thing. I think he has a genuinely... Uh, broken, like a legitimately broken jaw or a hurt jaw, whatever. So I'm not sure when he'll be back, but that's why he wasn't on uh, on Raw this week. But that would explain why we got so many impromptu matches. Now, I'm not a big fan of the impromptu matches anyway. And I know you didn't watch the whole show, Mr. Marceau, but we got it in three different instances between Jeff Hardy and Elias. They did it with Keith Lee and Sheamus, and they did it with Matt Riddle and MVP. And then a bunch of other matches that meant a whole lot of nothing. But above all else... Because Drew McIntyre was supposed to be on the show on Monday to kick off the build to the Goldberg match at the Rumble. They probably would have flown in Goldberg and done something with him on the show had they known Drew McIntyre wouldn't be available, you know, enough ahead of time. But they found out that day, I assume. Um, so Goldberg, they gave him the vignette treatment talking about the WWE Championship match in a couple weeks. McIntyre did give an update on his condition. But they kind of broke that... What's it called? The glass there, the emergency glass, breaking case of emergency, that being Triple H, which they always constantly do. They bring back the McMahons, Triple H, whenever the ratings are down or lower than they've ever been in this case, and uh, they brought back the game. Now, I'm not sure what the ratings were for Monday. I know actually last week, I got to give you credit, although this isn't really that bold of a prediction, the Legends Night, I was not expecting to do over 2 million viewers. I think it just barely broke that. You thought it would, and it did. Um, Wasn't overly past 2 million, but 2 million for a Legends Night, when five years ago it did like 4 or 5 million people, is not a good, is not a good number at all. Uh, but they brought back the game on Monday. He played a pretty prominent role on the show and the ongoing stuff with Randy Orton. Of course, leading to the main event match, uh, it wasn't really a match, it was more so a fight between him and Orton, Orton and uh, Triple H brawling before the fireball to Triple H, or rather, I'm sorry, to Randy Orton. Triple H just randomly disappeared. There was no explanation as to where Triple H went. And um, this feud between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt has been very hit or miss, I think, but it has been one of the better parts of Raw for the last month now, I would say. And uh, I didn't hate this. I did not like the Alexa Bliss Orton stuff. I told you that. You liked it. I didn't. I thought what they did on Monday was cool. So I know I said a lot there, Mr. Marceau. Break it down for me. What were your thoughts on what we saw on Monday with the return of Triple H randomly and what they did with the Orton, Alexa Bliss, and Fiend stuff? Yeah, I mean, you were just all over the place. Jesus <laughs> I Christ. am but, sorry. Um, I'm just all no, over the place with the right now. I mean, from what I saw, the show was fine. I, I, I read your review, and you like kind of shit all over the show, so I figured I didn't have to watch the rest of it, so I didn't. Um, but no, I thought the opening segment, I mean, Triple H obviously coming was random. I think that was just to get a name on there because Drew was out. But their little back and forth with him and Randy was pretty neat. I mean, I think they are both pretty good on the mic, so that was fine. Um, I saw Charlotte versus Lacey. I mean, I have no clue what the hell they're doing. I guess just doing something to give Charlotte something in the interim. I mean, she's a tag team champion. They really haven't gone back to that since her and Oscar won. And then last week with Rick, I, I guess they're just kind of trying to get this over. But now it seems like she's in a full-fledged feud with fucking Lacey Evans over her geriatric father. So we'll see what happens there. And then the main event, or street fight, or whatever you want to call it, it was for what it was, it was fine. I mean, Triple H vanished out of nowhere. Didn't really bother me. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it wasn't really. It was. It was just like a fight. So like, it was never going to be really an ending. Um, Alexa coming back. 
um, with the fireball I thought was great. Um, I've enjoyed everything they've done. I mean, I know you weren't the biggest fan of her trying to like set herself on fire in the raw ended with that cliffhanger, but I, I think it's definitely the best thing on raw. So I, I, I can't really, I don't want to nitpick it cause I want to shit on other things on the show. So mm-hmm. I think the Alexa Bray and Randy stuff's definitely been the best thing on raw. Um, but besides that, the show has just been fucking unbearable to watch. Well, specifically with the Triple H stuff, when you hear that he's announced for Raw, you watch the game anyway. But when you hear that, are you excited to see what he's going to do? Or is it just like, okay, they're clearly just doing this as a ratings attempt? Oh, I mean, I knew right away it was clearly a ratings attempt. I mean, once I saw Drew was out with COVID and that he wasn't going to be on the show, and I saw they're like, oh, Triple H's going to knock up, kick off the show. I mean, it's just, that's easily just the get people to look. I mean, I don't think he's that big of a name. They're like, oh, I'm going to watch Raw now, but like, at least it's something. Gives you people something to look forward to, I guess. But, I mean, it didn't really change my viewpoint at all. Triple H, actually, a lot of people may not realize this, but he has not wrestled since the Super... On TV, anyway, since the Super Showdown show in June of 2019, when he actually faced Randy Orton in his last televised match, and he lost. Um, Before that, you would have to go back to WrestleMania, where he beat Batista. He was on a Japan tour um, soon after that Super Showdown show in June of 2019, but he did not wrestle in the entirety of 2020, which would be a first for him, I think, since he signed to the company in uh, 1995, I think it was. Yeah, 1995, because we celebrated 25 years of Triple H last year. Um, Do you want to see Triple H back in a match at WrestleMania? I feel like we have this conversation every single year, and I've always said that you don't really need Triple H in a match at WrestleMania. I I really don't think we do. and we didn't last year, and maybe the COVID stuff affected that, and that's why we didn't get a match. But it didn't look like we were headed for a Triple H match anyway, because COVID hit in March, and Triple H wasn't even on, on TV at that point, I don't think, in a regular role. Um, would you want to see him in a match this year at WrestleMania, or is it another one of those years where like there's no reason for it, so why bother bringing him back? Yeah, there's no reason for it. I mean, I, I he's kind of not overstayed his welcome, but the last few years, I mean, besides Ron, the Ronda match, which kind of, at 34 with Stephanie, like, that kind of helped get her over and get her kind of a bigger exposure. Besides that, I feel like his matches really haven't been that good. I mean, we went to WrestleMania 33. The Seth one was, like, whatever. Wasn't a big fan of the Batista one. Um, him versus Roman, oh, my goodness. Him and Brian was good, but that was also back in WrestleMania 30, and then Sting and Triple H, we all know the rest. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it if he's going to try to, like, maybe wrestle and put, like, newer people over, like, Seth, yeah, like, I guess he did put him over, but, like, Seth was already established at that point, so really didn't do too much. I mean, I guess it tied up some loose ends storyline-wise, but uh, if he's going to come back, maybe put some people over, I guess I'd be fine with it, but besides that, I I don't really need to see Triple H anymore. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any real obvious match for him at WrestleMania. If it was a story that made sense, and all the matches that you just said made sense for the most part, um, the Seth match was inevitable. The Roman match was inevitable. The P- Batista match was inevitable. The Ronda match also made sense. A lot of the matches you mentioned, I really didn't have a problem with going in just because they made sense. I don't want to see them put him in the ring or see himself put himself in the ring if it doesn't make sense. I know actually AJ Styles went on the record a while ago and saying that I think he wanted Triple H at WrestleMania. Whether that happens or not, I don't know because AJ is another one that doesn't have a real clear path to WrestleMania as of right now. He's really been spinning his wheels since TLC. He beat Drew Gulak on Raw this week. He beat Elias two weeks before that uh, for the prior two weeks. What do you do with AJ Styles at WrestleMania? <laughs> at this point, I honestly don't know. It seems like he might be a Battle Royal guy. Or oh, maybe no, 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 no. No, let's not go there. 
I, what else are you going to do with them? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be in the main title picture. Like, I don't think he's going to face Bobby if he's the champion. I mean, maybe they do, like, some multi-man match at the United States Championship. But besides that, I, I feel like he's kind of, like, purgatory. I don't know where you put him. Uh, you are not putting this man in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I don't think he would stand for that, to be honest with you. I, I Well, let's put it this way. I think a year ago when he also wasn't doing anything... Before the report came out, I don't think anyone expected him to face The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I mean, obviously the match came like three or four or five years too late, maybe even ten years too late, um, if we're being honest here. But, you know, they did the match. It was one of the best matches of the year, let alone at WrestleMania itself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't think they would put him in a battle royal. I mean, even at WrestleMania 35, he wasn't high up the card, but he still had a singles match in the show against Randy Orton. He's had nothing but singles matches at WrestleMania since he debuted five years ago. So I, I would be surprised if they put him in like, you know, would they do a raw tag team title thing with him and Omos? Like, I think it might make more sense to have him face. Uh, like, for example, do you, would you want to see AJ Styles and Edge at WrestleMania? Or do you think Orton and Edge is kind of a lock? Um, seems like Orton and Edge is a lock. I, I wouldn't do AJ and, and Edge. I don't know. That doesn't really... Doesn't even really tickle me, so I, I definitely want to do that. I want to see that match at some point. I'm not sure if they would do it at WrestleMania this year, but I think if they save it for uh, maybe some point down the road after Edge is done with the Orton, a feud I don't want to see, you know, revisited, but it feels like it's inevitable. So, um, yeah, I thought Raw this week was just a complete mess. They did so many impromptu matches, and and again, the, the whole COVID situation with people getting sick, people getting hurt. Just because you're down a few people doesn't mean that you have to do the impromptu matches. I was telling you this before we went live here, but for example, we got Riddle and Bobby Lashley on Raw this week, which they've been building up for a while now. Zero hype ahead of time. They did the match, and it was all of two minutes. Bobby Lashley won clean, which is cool. I appreciate that. It made Bobby Lashley look like a badass. Bloodied Riddle, beat him in two minutes. Then they do Riddle and MVP for some random reason where Riddle beat MVP in a matter of three minutes. So why wouldn't you, in that instance, just give these people 10, maybe even 15 minutes and cut down on the amount of matches on the show and not do 15 matches in one night just because you're down a few people? I feel like, and I know what you're going to say to this, obviously we, we should just come to expect it, but to me it's just mind-boggling why, why these simple booking decisions just can't be made. It's just because it seems like a lot of things there are just booked so last minute and so quickly that I just don't think the thought process is there anymore. I mean, from what you heard back in the day, they'd have things booked weeks and months in advance. So it's just like, obviously if something comes up, they could just insert someone new, but it seems like everything now is booked on the fly and everything's done last minute. So if they got late report that X amount of people weren't going to be there, they're just like, Oh shit, we're going to do now. Mm-hmm. So maybe they were going to do, I mean, I still don't understand. Like if you're going to riddle in, in, in Lashley, Unless you just want it to be a squash and give a big win to Bobby, okay, beat him in two minutes, fine. But then doing a subsequent subsequent match after just doesn't make any sense. It's just like, why does it matter? So if he gets killed by Lashley in two minutes, why would it matter? Like, why would we care if he beats MVP? Yep. So like all of a sudden, like, oh, give him a rematch. Like, no, he just got killed. So like, why would it matter? It's just I don't know. Like I said, I think it's more the fact of them or Vince just being so last minute with everything, and it seems like. It's just makeshift booking, and that's what's happening. I, I don't think it's they're really having trouble filling the three hours. I think they're just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, but nothing sticks at this point because it's just all terrible. Where the hell are we going with this Charlotte Flair, Lacey Evans crap? 
Um, I honestly have no idea. I think it's just something that keeps Sasha, uh, not Sasha, Charlotte busy at this point. But mm-hmm. like, she's part of the tag team with Oscar. Oscar wasn't on Raw, I don't believe. No, I mean, neither was Peyton Royce, and Peyton Royce was the one who pinned Charlotte last week, not Lacey. Yeah, but they're trying to like fall up on her, and this, I don't know. It's just like I said. I think it's more just uh, maybe Royce. Maybe Royce and Oscar out with COVID. I honestly don't know, but like, I don't know. And now, now Lacey gets a win on a national Ric Flair. Like, I just like, I just don't get it. I mean, I guess it's better. Than, no, I might even say it's better than nothing because it's terrible. But I just, who gives a shit? Lacey Evans <laughs> means nothing. You're just having her job to have show a job to her. Like, yeah, she's getting assistance, but like, no one really gives a shit. I mean. If anyone, it should be Peyton in this in this role. Like I said, she did beat her last week. Maybe she's out with COVID, but Peyton's the one that should be in the rub. I I, I honestly face heel in between her. I did do not give two shits about Lacey uh, Lacey Evans. I like Lacey Evans and I like Charlotte. I didn't even think the match was that bad. I just think the whole story with Rick is completely unnecessary. I'm not sure if it's supposed to turn Charlotte heel again and. You know, we were talking about this before we went live here. I think Charlotte is a natural heel. And they can use her as a babyface when necessary, like in this instance. Because I feel like the only reason why we got Charlotte and Asuka is, first of all, Lana got hurt. Because she otherwise probably would have teamed with Lana. And um, I don't know if Lana got hurt or if something happened with her. I I don't know. Um, But she had to take time off for like a month and we haven't seen her since. Which no one's asking questions and why would they? Because Lana just is not that good. Um, But so we're getting Charlotte and Asuka. I figured they would do the babyface team. And Charlotte would at some point ask Asuka, hey, can I have a shot at your Raw Women's Championship? And that probably will still happen. It just won't mean as much if she's already a heel by that point. And she's only been back for three, four weeks, and she's already a heel again. Uh, Apparently, I don't know. But the way that she treated her father was terrible. Uh, Ric Flair got back at her with a heel and Lacey Evans. Apparently, he might have an interest in her or vice versa. It's just a a very stupid storyline. Um, and I just, I just don't care. And it's hard to care about the tag team titles for the women anyway, not because of the concept of it, but because of how they're portrayed and booked and handled on these shows. Uh, I think Sasha and Bailey were the best thing ever happened to those tag titles. And ever since they dropped them again, um, they've just meant absolutely nothing. But speaking of the women though, we'll, we'll transition from there into NXT, a much better show on Wednesday. Not a great show by NXT standards. I thought both Wednesday night shows this week were not the greatest, but they were solid for what they were. But on the subject of the women, I do got to ask you, Mr. Marceau, I'm not sure if we discussed this last week, but we are getting a women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic starting next week. We already know that Casey Cadenzaro and Caden Carter are in it, as well as the ways Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae were getting uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. And there was one other team that I'm not thinking of. I don't remember, but I know they announced four teams last night. Uh, Candice de- uh, defeated Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi got a new tag team partner in Ember Moon. So I assume we are going to get the way versus Shotzi number at some point in the tournament. Uh, what are your thoughts on the women's Dusty Classic, Mr. Marceau, with the women's division at an all-time high right now in NXT? And who do you see winning this entire thing based off the teams that have been announced so far and obviously other teams to be announced in the weeks to come? Yeah, I, I think this is a good idea. I mean, they have so many women that they don't really get all of them showcased on TV. So I, I like it. I think it's something new and something fresh. And, I mean, the tag team division on Raw and the main roster in general is terrible. So um, from what we've seen so far, I like the teams that they announced. Um, I'm not sure it would go all the way. I mean, I really like uh, Raquel and Dakota. I mean, I think they're kind of – should be a shoe in 
Um, Tony and Mercedes is interesting. Oh, that's the other team. Yep, I forgot. About um, that. The way I got, I mean, I, I don't really care for them. And then Ember, what's it? Ember and Shotzi. Ember and Shotzi. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I'm honestly couldn't be. Le- I couldn't be more out on Shotzi. I, she just zipped for me. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But I think from what they've announced, I would say either Mercedes and Tony or Raquel and Dakota makes the most sense. Um, but Deco- but it, it's kind of weird because Raquel's setting her sights on EO. Same with. Mercedes and Tony, I feel like so. Maybe another team that they announced could could get the get a good rub and push. I mean, Caden Carter and Casey would be nice, but they're just like the glorified job team. So maybe they get an upset win somewhere, or someone helps them down the line. But um, I would say the two teams I named first were probably the ones I, I at least now would say are their favorites. Well, I know I know next week that we're getting we're we are getting Mercedes and Tony next week against Casey and Caden. So if they win there, I would be shocked just because they're heavily protecting Mercedes right now and Tony Storm. I think the last time we saw her in action, she beat Rhea Ripley. So they, they should not be losing anytime soon. I don't know if I would have them win the whole thing. Um, maybe they do, and then they fight for a, a women's title shot. The women's title picture is very interesting right now because we have them gunning for a shot at EO Shirai. They both have their established issues with EO. And then you also have Raquel. Could you see a situation that we get a four-way for the women's championship at the next pay per view, Mr. Marceau. I'm sorry, the next takeover on February 14th. Um, so you're saying the tag team show or the women's championship? The women's title. It seems like we could get a four way with um Mercedes, <laughs> Tony, Eo, and Raquel, and we haven't had a four way for that women's title in like four or five years. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the story. Not that that's the story they're telling, but it seems like so. Like Tony beat Rhea. And then, like, it seemed like she was setting her sights on EO. Then Mercedes came back and tapped EO. And then, obviously, Raquel, I mean, she's been the breakout in the last couple of months. And she seems like, after last night, she's setting her sights on EO as well. So, makes sense. Um, I honestly wouldn't even know, like, does EO keep the belt or someone go over? I mean, I think they, they're, they're all three solid contenders, and they they all can do their ways. Like, But, that, that like we're saying, that maybe that's what they're going towards next. And then you have... Mercedes and Tony have some disagreement, and then that's how they get involved as well. If they're tag team, they win the whole club. Why would they want to face each other? So that could be mm-hmm. some dissension there as well. well so. I mean, they, they did that with Balor and Samoa Joe four or five years ago. Yeah, I guess so, but I don't know. I like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like that idea. I'd rather them not like each other and then go in. Mm-hmm. I want them like they're, they're teaming, and then like they just like attack people. So, what about the NXT Championship picture? We got Finn Balor cutting a very good promo last night, being interrupted by Pete Dunn, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch. Undisputed Era makes the save. It, from what it looks like, we're either getting an eight-man tag team match at some point, based on what we got here and in the main event. Um, it looks like we're either getting Undisputed Era with Finn Balor, Sands, Bobby Fish, because I think he's still injured right now, against Lorcan, Burch, Dunn, and a returning Pat McAfee, who we haven't seen since War Games over a month ago, or, and or, I guess, this because both could happen, could we be getting Balor, O'Reilly, and Dunn in a triple threat for the championship? The only thing, I, I like that idea, but the only thing about it I don't like is that O'Reilly hasn't done anything to earn another shot. Um, I know he won the number one contenders match a month ago, but he lost to Balor decisively last week. It's not like he got screwed out of the match or he was hurt. He went in there again and lost clean for a second straight time. So I'm just not sure how you get back to him and Balor anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of out on Kyle at this point. He's got his two opportunities. He lost both times clean as a sheet. I mean, they go there again, I guess. But, I mean, he, what, he needs to do something to, like, solidify himself that he should get a title shot. 
I mean, he he's lost twice. Why why should he get another one? Yeah. So what do you do for the NXT Championship again? Is it Balor and Dunn? And do you do it a takeover? Or do you do it on an upcoming episode of NXT? Um, I think you just wait for it. I don't want to give everything away on on TV. So I would wait for Takeover to do it because we still have Cross waiting in the wings as well. That's why I say yep. that. I don't know if um, do you give him a filler opponent before then, or did you just go straight for the championship at some point? He might just be you know looming in the background until after Takeover because that's also very possible. Yeah, that's possible. I, I would do Dunn and Finn first, then you can have Cross come back for the title. The Dusty Classic for the men, anyway, <clears throat> did kick off last night with the Grizzled Young Vets advancing over Everrise, who have uh, definitely grown on me. I like Everrise. I think you do as well. <clears throat> they had a pretty good match last night. I, I'm not surprised they lost, but it was still good for what it was. Um, we had predictably Undisputed Era beating Brazongo to advance in the main event in a fun match. And then the debuting team of MSK knocking off Isaiah Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas. And another very fun match as well. Obviously, MSK, the debuting Rascals from Impact, who we talked about a month or two ago. Um, a very good asset to the NXT Tag Team Division, which can eat all the you know new fresh blood it can get. Um, I don't know what MSK stands for. I don't think they explain that. I know Vic Joseph did make a Rascals reference at one point, which was cool, but I don't think they ever explained what MSK stood for. Uh, Trey Miguel is not part of the group. I don't think he signed, so he's not going to be there, I don't think, at least not right away. And their new names, Wentz's new name is Nash Carter. I'm not sure how you spell Nash, if it's like like Kevin Nash or if it's like K-N-A-S-H, I don't know. And then the other guy's name is Wesley, not Wesley, like Wesley Blake. It's just Wes, W-E-S, and then his last name is L-E-E, which I thought was fucking dumb. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the new names. I thought it was really stupid. Um, the look, They look cool. I don't know. I mean... Again, I don't know if they didn't want to call them the Rascals. It's not like it's they bring in the Motor City machine guns, and I guess they would have to change that too because of machine guns. But, you know, it's it's not that well known to the point where like, oh, like the Young Bucks. Like they brought them in, they brought them in as like the, you know, the old cows. Or, I don't know. I don't even know. I can't even make a joke there. But you, you get my gist. Um, that I thought this was a very fun match. They had a great debut. They won here over the obviously team that has dissension within Scott and, and Atlas. But yeah, what were your thoughts on the, uh, we'll talk about the first round of the Classic in a second, but specifically the debut, Mr. Marceau, of MSK as someone who's not overly familiar with Impact. No, it's fresh, new blood. I mean, the tag team division needs it, so if they're going inter- to introduce them into the tag team division, I liked how they put them in here, got them a nice win on their debut match, and like I said, the tag team division needs new blood. I feel like it's just been the same few teams last couple couple months. I know the Grizzly Young Vets are back, which is good. We got some... NXT UK teams coming in, but any new blood for the tag team division is good, and I thought they had a good debut. Yeah, would you see them going all the way, or no? Um, I think the Grizzly Young Vets probably go the whole way, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think they're kind of the shoe-in, but we'll see. Well, they did win over Everize, like I said. Uh, I'm going to look at the bracket right now, because I know next week we are getting... Let me see. All right, so we already got Cole and Strong against Brazongo. Undisputed Era advances... They're going to be facing the team of the the winning team of either Tony Nese and Aria Daivari from 205 Live or Adrian Adonis. Or not Adrian Adonis. Jesus Christ. That guy's been dead for years. Um, Ashanti V. Adonis and Desmond Troy. Um, so I think that's taking place on 205 Live this week. Undisputed Era will advance there. They'll go to the probably to that semifinal from that left part of the bracket. Um would you do you see that going over as well? I mean, that's that's pretty self-explanatory. I, I would assume. I 
honestly have no idea who the fuck the people who just enlisted are, so I'm going with Undisputed Era. Okay. Um, the way I think next week we're getting Gargano in theory against Kushida and Ruff. That's an easy win for the way, right? Yeah, they'll win there. And Kushida and Gargano probably facing off a takeover for the North American title? Yes. So Gargano in theory beating them there. Um, Ever Rise, Grizzled Young Vets. Oh, okay. So this is an interesting one. In the quarterfinals, we would get the Grizzled Young Vets versus the Way. Obviously, Grizzled Young Vets would probably win there. Yeah. Right? That would make sense. So we would get Grizzled Young Vets against Undisputed Era in the left part of the bracket in the semifinals. Would that mean a win for Grizzled Young Vets? I think they beat them last year, too. Or, or does Undisputed yeah, Era? I, I, think it's, I think Grizzled Young Vets are going to go the whole way. So okay. I think whoever's on their side, I think they'll make the finals. On the other side, I mean, seems like MSK would probably go all the, all the way. The other teams aren't, like, maybe Legato go Fantasma, but I doubt it. So I, I would say MSK. it's going to be MSK versus Grizzled Young Vets in the finals. Okay, well, I'm looking at the rest of the bracket right now. MSK won last night. Maverick and Dane versus Stallion and Gray. Maverick and Dane are going to win there. MSK advances over Maverick and Dane, you think? Yeah. Okay. Imperium, Lucha House Party. I think that's an easy win for Imperium. I don't know. Lucha House Party's been booked better in NXT than they were on the main roster. So and They also are coming off a win over the Raw Tag Team Champions. So um, It's entirely possible they beat Imperium. Actually, you know what? They probably will. I'm going to say that Lucha House Party wins. They, they face the winners of Legato Del Fantasma versus Bollywood Boys. Legato wins there. Legato gets the win back. Legato versus MSK. Do you think MSK advances over Legato? That's still your pick? Yeah, I think it's going to be them and the Grizzly Young Vets in the finals. All right, who do you have go over if that's the case? Grizzly Young Vets, I think they're high on them. I think I think they're the team that's going to go over. They'll probably be the new tag team champion somewhere down the lines as well. Well, yeah, I think Regal announced that last night, so the winning team is going to get a shot at the tag titles. I think a takeover. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, do you think they beat Lorcan and Burke for the tag titles, or do they just wait for a while for that, I guess? I think I think they're, they're they'd win. I, I think they're so high on them. I'm not that high on them, but I think the NXT is. Yep. I think I think they're going the whole way. Give them the ships now. Yeah, no, I think after especially after last year when they lost in the finals, I think they'll uh, probably uh, rebound uh, this year with a win. So I'm looking forward to that. So the rest of NXT saw uh, a sit down between Champa and Thatcher, which was well done. We're getting the fight pit next week. Thatcher and Champa finally after it was bumped from last week's card. Who wins there? Is it Thatcher or is it Champa? And if Thatcher wins, should he just might as well quit? I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. No, you said Champa. If Champa wins, Thatcher should quit. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad. I reversed. But no, that. I mean, I think Thatcher has to win here. I'm, like I said, if not, he should just quit. Um, but I'm going <laughs> with Thatcher. I mean, it's his match, so maybe like that's just saving grace. Is if he can't beat anyone, he just beats him in a fight pit. So. <laughs> we'll <laughs> he can't win any other that. time. Okay. He can't win any other match unless it's in the fight pit. Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, maybe, honestly, maybe do that, like, he wins, and then, like, if he can't win anything else, he can just have a gimmick, like, I'm the fight pit champion, and, like, just goes crazy in the fight pit. I don't oh know. God. But you gotta do something, so. Uh, I'll go with Thatcher here. I'm more, of course, the other question is, like, what do you do from him from there? Like, I like Thatcher, but it's like, I feel like he's mid-card at best at, at this point. I feel like there's so many more people ahead of him, so we'll see, but I think a win here, or he should just quit. Zia Lee, final thoughts on her second match on NXT since coming back. Love Zia Lee. Push her to the moon. I, I love the new character. I think she is good. She's always been good, but I think, you know, toning that character, honing that character has really been the uh, the key, and now she, that she has it down, 
Um, I don't really mind the fact that they're not revealing her master or whatever they're calling her right away. I think they can wait a while for that because really right now the focus is on Zia Lee, so I'm totally okay with this. Yeah, you can slow burn the, the reveal. Yeah, I'm fine with that. So we move on over now to night two of uh, New Year's Dash. Not New Year's Dash, I'm sorry, New Year's Smash. New Year's Dash, Dash is the... Uh, Dash was the New Japan show. We have fucking New Year's Dash, New Year's Smash, New Year's Evil. My God, there's so many New Year's names. New Year's Revolution. 15 years since Edge catched in on John Cena. Do you feel old yet, Mr. Marceau? I feel like an old fuck. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> we kicked off last night with Pac versus Eddie Kingston. I thought this was a good match. Clearly, the feud is not over because we had the Lucha Bros coming afterward. Lance Archer, Butcher and Blade, the whole fucking nine yards here. Uh, are we building to a Pac and Lance Archer match? And what were your thoughts in the opener? Match was fine. I thought it was probably one of the better matches in the night. Um, I, I guess so. It just seems like a calamity here. Everyone's just feuding with each other. Um, Archer, Kingston, Pack. I mean, it just seems. And then they're, they're, they're guys. I just. It is what it is. I just feel like this. Just they're trying to get everyone on the show. So it's just a fucking cluster. Just a cluster of people. Just like all intertwined in one feud. What do you think this is leading? Is that a blood and guts match or something else? I hope not. I hope not with them. Maybe somebody else. I don't think with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I mean, I just, like I said, I think they're just like, they're in a good, they're in a feud, but it just seems like it's just everyone's against each other. So, I don't know, GSM. We'll see what happens. But I thought it was a good match for what it's worth. It was probably one of the better Eddie Kingston matches I've seen. That's not to say that he's bad, but I think his promos are better than his matches. And um, this was a really good match, and it was cool to see the uh, Red Arrow again because I don't remember the last time that he won with that. It might have been a while. It might have been recently. I don't remember, but I thought that was good. Uh, we then did have Miro against Chuck Taylor, and I could just not. I know I'm not alone here. I could not get two fucks about this feud uh, between best friends and Miro and whatever, uh, Kip Sabian. We are getting the wedding next month at Beach Break. We did find that out. I don't know if that's on February 3rd or soon after. I'm not sure. But Chuck Taylor, by the loss here, via the stipulation, he is now the butler from Miro and Kip Sabian until the wedding. Uh, this is probably the best use of him, just because Chuck Taylor on his own, I know you're, you don't like him more than I do. I don't mind Chuck Taylor, just Trent is just so much better on his own than Chuck is. I just think, uh, I just cannot give really two shits about the guy without uh, Trent around. <laughs> I honestly fast forward to this shit. I, <laughs> Miro, he, I, I think he's good. I just think he's just going to be another WWE guy that's going to go there. Mid-card at best, if that. I just don't see him ever getting into that big top level. Just like people think that he should have been. I mean, WWE, I think he could have maybe had a run. I think at that point, I just, I don't know. I just, guys just have been a fucking joke since he joined the company. Chuck Taylor is fucking terrible. Even with Trent. Trent just carries him. I I guess he's the butler. The wedding, I, I literally don't care. Like, who cares about a low, low mid-card at best preliminary guy getting married? No one, so. Yeah. It's just another thing. It's just like, this is shit that they do, and I'm just like, why? So I literally just was like, I'm not, wa- you're going to waste my time? I'll fuck you and just fast forward right through <laughs> Fuck you, I'll fast forward right through it. Well, I, I will say this. I-, I agree with you, and I don't agree in that. I think he has been easily the most misused, not even underutilized, but like misused people they brought in since AEW started. Is that safe to say at this point? Oh, easily. He's been a joke since he joined the company. He was a fucking best man. Like I said, a best man for a fucking job guy. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I, I disagree in that. I don't think he's another one. I think he's the only one. I really can't think of any other people that they've brought in and have been, like, as must misused as him. Like, I know Sean, Sean Spears. Okay, I, know, I was going to say, I know you were going to say Sean Spears. 
My thing with Sean Spears is that he was never going to come in and win the world fucking title. Like, I was interested in seeing... What'd you say? Neither would Miro. I think, not that he would win the world title, but I think he's a bigger star than Sean Spears is, at least in my opinion. I yeah, mean, but the way they started him off, it's like, at least Sean Spears came in, he was fucking facing Cody. Yes. Miro comes in as the best man for a fucking job guy, and he's done nothing. <laughs> That's my point. It's like, uh, yes. at least came in with, like, buzzworthy, like, he hit Cody with the head of the chair. It was the first time we've seen that in yeah. how long and no, like, at least he had a a memorable debut. Fucking yeah. Miro came out on a throwaway dynamite after goofball. <laughs> no, I know I agree with you, but the thing I'm going off of purely upside alone. Like I think Miro could go further in the company, regardless of how they debuted. Because Sean Spears had an interesting debut. You were never sold on the Tully Blanchard pairing. Um, that was just that's always been random. I, I honestly completely forget that they're still a thing. Because I always see Tully with FTR that I completely forget that they're still a thing. But I think Miro can be... They can make whoever they want a top guy. But off of upside alone, I think Miro can go further, a lot farther. And I'm not just talking about the TNT title. I think he could be a top-tier talent in the company if they actually utilize them correctly. Yes or no? I, I, I'm gonna, I gotta say no on that. I just, Jesus. I Don't Jesus me. <laughs> I'm just he kidding. Just, like, he... I just... I think he's another guy that people just get their fucking... I thought he was good in WWE. I liked him. I thought he was good in the role. Yes, could he have done more? Maybe. But people need to realize not everyone... Not everyone's world championship material. And I just... The I, way that I they're agree. Going, yeah, so exactly. So that's my point. I, I don't think he's world championship material. I think he's a... At best, if they push him correctly, which they haven't so far, is a top mid-card guy. Who comes and, out in a tank? Who comes out of tank and loses? Like I think Brody <laughs> Lee, like I think he is another guy. Like I think he came in, like he had a good, he had the TNT title run. But I just think he's another guy, like that would never get to that level. Like I think he's a good high mid card guy, but I don't think they would ever push him to world championship. I just think the way that they were going with it, he was just like a, he'd be like their like veteran mid card guy. Like he's like a stepping stone guy. I feel like I don't think he was ever going to be pushed to the main event. Well, no, he was in the main event and then win. No, I agree. I think based on how they've booked these people, they weren't going to be... Like, Brody Lee was not going to be world champion in a couple of months. Um, I, I think if they booked him to be strong... Like, Brody Lee, when he had squashed Cody, I think that Brody Lee could have been world champion. I do. And I completely agree that not everyone can be a world champion. And I think we've discussed before how Brody Lee did not meet the level of expectation initially when he first came in just because... You know, people thought he would be world champion from the get-go, and maybe he could have been, but that wasn't the role for him. I think they could have built to that down the road, um, especially when they need no, more main eventers. And I just got done talking about this in Hashtag. I want to ask you, Mr. Marceau, they don't really have a lot of top-tier babyfaces in this company. I know Brody was obviously a heel. Miro's a heel. But, like, other than that, and, they, they you know, they're heels, but I'm talking about babyfaces here. Even Phoenix, who Omega just fucking beat last week, was a heel. He's a heel. So, like, who do you... If Omega's going to hold the belt for a while, which he definitely will and probably should, who do you... I mean, I know I'm going off track here with the Miro stuff, but who do you have Omega face for the championship? I know they're grooming Moxley for a rematch, and that's fine. Maybe Rich Swan gets a title for title shot and impact, but, like, and that's not even on their fucking roster. Like, I feel like they have a serious top-of-the-card babyface problem right now. I mean, I think they've always had that. It's just... Like, even Cody, like, Cody's, like, he's a tweener in-betweener, and obviously now he can't go for the title, but, like, yeah. 
I mean, you got Cage, who's a heel. Ricky Starks, who's a heel. Eddie Kingston's a heel. Pac's a heel. Lance Archer's a heel. It's like, you have so many fucking heels. The only baby face I can think of at the top of my head is fucking Hangman. You're not going to do it right now. No. That's a, that, the story's not even close to that, so that's something down the line. But like like you said, how are they going to get to that to that point? Like you said, maybe they... The Moxley's definitely going to have it, so that's one person they can do. What about what about Orange Cassidy? <sighs> Stop. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a dynamite ten minute main event like they did with Joey Janela. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I mean they just like you said they just have a top of the card babyface issue. Um, Did they turn I, I someone honestly, face like from maybe, inner circle? Like maybe Darby. Yeah, but I just think they won't get to that level anytime soon just because he's at the TNT. You know. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I, I, agree. I Besides Hangman, I can't think of, like, they would have to build someone up seriously or turn someone face, which I feel like all the people that are heel are better heel anyways. Like, I want to see Eddie Kingston as a good guy. Like, he's a fucking dick. I want to mm-hmm. boo him. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, besides, like, Moxley, like, I'm trying to think. Hangman, Moxley, Co- I mean, Cody doesn't really count. Cody I just feel really like count. And Cody's like stuff. directionless as hell right now anyway. I know, I know. But I'm just trying to think of guys in the past who've even got title matches as baby faces. So you had Cody, Hangman, and Mox. Well, I mean, Mox is not even really a baby face either. He's a fucking tweener betweener. Um, <laughs> Scorpio Sky, if they built him up enough, I think could be at that level. Maybe not a main eventer, but I think he could be a, a challenger. Oh, he could be a challenger, but the guys have been on TV in a fucking year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yep. um, yeah, I don't know. Like, oh. I feel like anyone that's been a babyface that has challenged for the titles, like a tag team guy, it's like... Jungle Boy, too. Boy, like, yeah, so I don't know. They definitely do have a babyface problem, though. Yeah, they do. They got to work on that this year. They have a great roster. I just think... I'm, I was just thinking on Hashtag as people were asking, like, oh, who do you have Omega face at, like, double or nothing? I don't think they do the Adam Page match anytime soon. He's going to be busy, apparently, with the Dark Order. What are your thoughts on that? I guess. I just... I just... I guess if it's, like, him finding his way, I guess, because clearly, like, he's still, like, the drunk cowboy and, like, has no friends, so maybe he gets back, gets with them, and kind of gets... Start, that's how he starts getting figuring it out again, and that's how he gets back to, like, the main event level. I, it is what it is. I mean, getting him on TV is better than nothing, I guess, but... I don't know. The Dark Order is just to me. It's just such, like it's not even like they're just like baby face, like funny. They're just like just like I don't know. It's like they like just so forced funny that I just I don't. It does nothing for me. But I mean, I guess they kind of at least Silver and Reynolds grown on me. I mean, fat ass Uno. I don't even give a shit about. But I Grace mean, is good too. I like Stu Grayson, but like I said, he's he, they they they're clearly putting. Uh, Hangman with Silver and Reynolds. So I, I, it is what it is, I guess. Like I said, at least he gets them on TV, so I, I'll, I won't complain too much. What about Inner Circle? They're having a triple threat tag team match <laughs> to determine the, the tag team of the Inner Circle. I actually enjoyed last last week's segment, or I'm sorry, last night's segment. I just don't really know what you do with these guys. And clearly they're building the MJF being the reason why the group breaks up, but I feel like they're dragging their feet with this shit. Just get on with it already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's clearly where it's going, but... It's like, we're going to have a friendly competition. Like, who gives a shit? Like, clearly, <laughs> and, I'm assuming Jericho and MGF are going to win. So then where does it put the other teams? It just... Santana and Ortiz are the real tag team, and they just, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't get this fucking company. It's like, they literally said, like, two weeks ago, oh, like, if we don't get on the same page, then we're going to break up forever. And then, like, they never really got back on the same page. Now they're, few, like, they're saying it's competition, but they're clearly dissension there. 
I, I think they're just fucked. It's like, I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing, and I just don't care. Yeah, I don't know. They need to end Inner Circle as soon as possible. I think I think it's ran its course. I, I agree. I think they've done everything. At the, I mean, the worst part is they really didn't even have a good run as a faction. They really didn't do much. <laughs> no, they didn't. They were involved in big-time stuff, but they never really won when it really mattered. So, Wasn't the whole know. point of the faction to have the belt remain on Jericho? Like, he kept these guys... He kept these guys around in his inner circle to ensure that they helped him retain the title. But he lost the championship a year ago, Jericho did. So why is this even still a thing, especially when they've had zero success and Jericho lost to Orange Cassidy twice, who has barely been on the show in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I honestly don't know GSM, I think. The, no one's, the worst part is they get, I feel like the group was put in to get people over and it's done literally no one anything. Like, no one, like, no one's, like taken the group or use the group to catalyst them at all. I feel like no one's got a rub at all. It's just like they're all just ra- – like I thought Sammy would be like a breakout guy from the group and he's just done nothing. I think he still could be. Uh, do you think they could turn Sammy babyface and do maybe Sammy and MGF a double or nothing potentially? Yeah, you could do that. I just think he's been – he's just <laughs> – Yeah, yeah. Do, I was going to say who do you have win because I think MGF could yeah, use the win and Sammy's day. lost every big match he's ever had. Yeah, that's that's MGF wins. Like, lol. I don't think Sammy wins there. I mean, you know, in retrospect, the more that I think about it, I love Matt Hardy, but like he beat Sammy at full gear, and he's just been a glorified manager since then, and he went heel anyway. So wouldn't it made more sense if Sammy just beat him in the end and they moved on from it, as opposed to having Sammy lose like three times to him? Yeah, that didn't really make much sense. Like you said, then he turned heel, which made even more or less sense. So who knows? Yeah, I I don't understand, but. You know, I'll just get the negative out of the way first because I thought this was a solid show, but I didn't really, I don't really get where they're going with the inner circle stuff. Aside from the obvious endgame, I just think in the meantime, I just I don't care. Um, Jade Cargill made a return last night on the waiting room. Cody said absolutely nothing. Jade interrupted him. Uh, Red Velvet came out, brawled with Jade. We found out we're getting Thunder Rose and Britt Baker in a couple weeks. This was just a complete fucking mess. Um, this felt like just one giant vehicle for them to promote the big, the go big show or whatever the hell it's called. I just, I don't plan on watching that at all. Um, I, I don't care about Cargill. I don't care about her feeding with Red Velvet. It seems like an obvious opponent for her to beat. I just, I don't know. I feel like the Brandy Rhodes feud was going to suck anyway, but they're trying to make up for the fact that Brandy got pregnant and can't compete. Like, oh, let's keep this going by putting Red Velvet, Brandy's little friend in there, her best friend in there her sidekick or whatever, which she's not, but she's come across that way in the feud. Um, whatever, we'll put her in there and then she'll lose too. Like, I, I, I thought this was the worst part about the show. Oh, hands down. I thought the beginning of it, like Britt just shitting on Cody, like like the little jabs and stuff. I thought that was funny. And then you bring Cody out and then Jade comes. Like, who gives a fuck? Like you said, no one wanted to see Brandy and Jade anyways. And then now they're going to do Jade with Red Velvet. I heard Jade's terrible in the ring as well, so yeah, we'll you can see. only imagine how bad this match is going to be. And I like, like they're like, "Oh, Brandy's out for nine months, so don't worry about her wrestling." It's like, dude, I don't want to see this other girl wrestle either. She's terrible. <laughs> she looks like fucking Shaniqua from two thousand four. Oh God, from the, from the Basham brothers. She couldn't wrestle either. That's why she was a manager. She went tough enough, for yeah. Christ's sakes. Hey, she's in fantastic shape, and I don't want to shit on her before I see her in the ring, but I, yeah, I have not heard rave reviews regarding her ring work. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm out on that whole thing. I just don't care. 
Um, but the women did impress, though, on this show. They had Serena Deeb and Conti in an NWA World Women's Championship match, which was actually pretty good. And the cool thing about this, I realized after the fact, was that this was kind of like student versus teacher, not from a storyline standpoint. But I'm sure Serena, while she was a coach at NXT before she got fired this year, probably played a hand in teaching Ty a lot of what she knows because she was there. Serena Deep was brought in as part of the Mae Young Classic, which Conti was a part of as well. So they got brought into WWE at the same time. They got fired at the same exact time. So they probably know each other very, very well. This, I thought, was a good match. Serena is perfect in her role. And Ty, I think, continues to show really good development. I think she's really good. I'm not great in the ring, but I think she's progressed nicely. I don't really know where the Anna J Dark Order stuff is going, but I'm excited to see uh, her progression, too. Yeah, I mean, JR mentioned in the match how Ty did train under Serena Deeb. Oh, he did mention that. Okay, I missed that. That's cool. It was weird how he said he was like, oh, like... uh, Ty Conti, like, trained, this was, like, trained under Serena Deeb at, like, her past employer. Like, he didn't, like, he basically, like, said that they were, like, basically WWE without saying. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, she was, she was her trainer when she was in her past employment. So, I thought that was funny. No, for what it was, it was fine. Um, big Ty Conti guy, so, I mean, loved it. Um, the only issue with her, I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it, like, she needs to show less ass. I mean, holy smokes. I mean. Totally distracting. I mean, I think she's fine in the ring, but is she going to be known for the girl's ass jiggling all over the TV every week? I mean, like I said, big fan of hers, but that's the only – when she wrestles, that's the only thing I can fucking – like, I can't get out of my mind. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? So, <laughs> besides that, I thought it was a good match for what it was. I thought Ty looked relatively good. I, I think she looked competitive. She's not the greatest in the ring, so for what it was, she was fine. Her and Sarah J, I mean, that's, I don't get that either. Like, they're friends, they do the Dark Order stuff, but she's not with the group. Like, and what does, it, it's not like they have a tag team division, and hopefully they don't, but like, what are they going to do? Like, they keep teasing them as friends. I feel like eventually, oh, the Dark Order's face, so. I was like, I think eventually, well, you could have Ty go heel. I feel like she's better as, like, a little bitch, so. Maybe you have Ty Conti turn on her, and then they get, like, a women's feed out of that, but. You need to sink more time and make them both seem more important if you're going to do a, a one-off or a few with them. Well, I think it would be the other way around just because it was interesting that Ty actually came out of the babyface tunnel and the Dark Order and Anna Jay came out from the heel tunnel. So if anything, I think it would be Anna Jay turning on her. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I don't know if they need to be working against each other because they both should be working with more experienced people. Um, I don't know if the match would be very good at this current point. But I like them both. I think Ty has a lot of potential and she had a good showing last night. Um, FTR Jurassic Express, it was uh, represented by Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. You know, good match here. I thought it was fun. Told a solid story with Marco Stunt getting bullied by FTR. They ultimately beat him, blah, blah, blah. I enjoyed the match, but then it becomes a question of what's next. Yeah, I liked the match for what it was. I mean, told the story. FTR won. I mean, I'm not a big Marco Stunt guy. I like Jungle Boy. Just No, I agree. I don't, I don't like, like Marco Stunt, but I thought he did well I don't know what to deal with Jungle Boy, but no, I love FTR. So, I mean, FTR has been... One of the highlights for me, I love FTR. Um, I think they're great in the ring. Just their characters, their persona, everything's great about them. So I thought it was good. Um, they just seem directionless, though, because it doesn't seem like they're, even though they're number one, I don't think they're going for the titles anytime soon. It doesn't seem like that's the story that's getting told. So we'll see. But I, I, I think they're kind of, they had a good run, and then they won the belts. And then we, I mean, I thought they'd keep the belts, and then obviously they lost the box. But since then, they've barely been on the show. I don't know. They're another team. Like they're like kind of like Hangman at this point. They kind of just seem like they're on the show, but like 
they're having good matches or like doing something good, but they're not really like doing anything of substance. It just feels like they're on TV just to be on TV and getting wins, but it's not like it really means much. Like, oh, we bullied Marco Stunts, so we're going to face you. Like, they killed them. Like, who cares? Do you think they might be building them in the Young Bucks again? They might be saving that for another day? Because uh, there was no follow-up on that at all. Yeah, no follow-up on that. I think from what the story they're telling with the Young Bucks and Omega and the Good Brothers, I, I don't think that's... I don't think FTR is going to get a title match anytime soon, it seems like. Well, the Elite were in action last night. It wasn't the Bucks, but it was the Good Brothers and Omega squashing three jobbers. Uh, good match. I like the, the brawl that followed was fine. I was kind of disappointed. Um, as an Impact fan, they didn't have Rich Swan and, the, and Machine Guns out there to build a hard to kill on Saturday. They just had Moxley out there and the Lucha Bros. But this did serve the set of the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros, um, probably for the tag titles. Maybe not a revolution, which I don't think they should, but probably in an upcoming episode of Dynamite, because I think the last match they had, the Lucha Bros won it all out. I don't know if they ever had a match after that. So, honestly, I'm totally okay with with them rekindling that rivalry, if only for, like, a week or two. So, I'm, I'm honestly completely okay with that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It seemed completely random. Like, why did the young... Like, I, I just thought it felt random. Like, why did the Lucha Bros come out? Like, they're not even, like... I don't know. It just seemed random. I don't know. They just come out of nowhere and beat up the Young Bucks or super kick the Young Bucks. Like, seemed completely random. Um, I mean, the match, what it was, I thought they should have beat them even quicker. You said it was a squash match. I mean, it went through a fucking commercial break. The, I, I thought, no, it should have been shorter. I agree, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, like, maybe give Pillman and Garrison a little bit of offense. That other guy, I don't even know his name. He's a, He might be a buck fifty soaking wet. They should have beat him in second, so... It is what it is, but then they have Moxie come out, and then the big brawl, and like you said, then the Young Bucks. It just, it just feels like every match after the match is always like some shenanigans or some big like someone's got to get in a fight. And for what it was, it's fine. I like seeing the Good Brothers. They're, I mean, they probably should went to AEW when they could have, and then they did it, and then WWE fired them. Obviously, didn't think that was going to happen, but they're good on Impact, or they're good. I guess they're good for them, but. I don't know. I, I obviously think that's going to be them, the Young Bucks, at some point. But the Lucha Bros, I don't know. Just they're earlier in the night. They're with Kingston, and then they're helping. Like they're kind of all over the place. So it didn't really make too much sense to me. I think the Bucks and the Good Brothers is probably a Revolution match. If I had to book this myself. Yeah, that seems like. Like I said, that's why I don't think FTR is like going to get a title shot soon because I think that's where the story's going. I think it's going to be Bucks and. And the Good Brothers, the next kind of big tag team match. So, like I said, they know where do you do with a revival, just or FTR, whatever the fuck you want to call them. So, yeah, no, I, no. I think it's just I don't know. I just like I said, I love Hangman, love MGF, love Revival. I just feel like they're all kind of the same. Like they're doing stuff, but it doesn't seem like. They're just doing stuff just to do it. It's not like anything of substance. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Thinking on the AEW is a lot of tag teams, but like they've already beaten SEU twice. So, like, that wouldn't be a bad program, but they've already done the match twice. So that's not really an option, I don't think. Uh, they've done FTR and Lucha Bros. Maybe they could do it again. I don't really know who you have FTR feud with going forward before they re-enter the tag title picture down the road. Yeah, I, I don't either. That's, where I'm, that's kind of where I'm questioning. I just, I don't really know where you go next with them. I think they're, they're the best tag team in the world, and... Since they, I, I thought they had a good tag. Like I said, I thought they had a good tag team title run for what it was. I thought they'd beat the Bucks and go on with another good uh, long feud, but then they lost. And they, like I said, since then they haven't been on the show that much, and I don't really know. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but there was a lot of long-term storytelling going into the main event on the show. I love the video package they did between Darby Allen and Brian Cage, dating back to April. Uh, maybe even earlier than that, when Taz was trying to recruit Darby Allen, he said no, and that led to the debut of Brian Cage at Double or Nothing. The rest is history, but um, I thought this was built up really, really well. I mean, I remember telling you over the summer, why weren't they doing Cage and Allen at the All Out pay-per-view? Now, I don't know if they knew at that point that they were building to this match in January, but um, they've held off on it. They've done every other iteration of Allen versus Starks and tag team matches and whatever. They finally did it on this show. Um, I thought it was a very good match. I think, I don't know if it was Tony himself or someone called it one of the biggest main events they've ever done on Dynamite, which I thought was a complete joke. Um, I, th- I honestly thought he was kidding, but it, w- it was a great match. I-, I thoroughly enjoyed the match, but like, it's not something I don't think I'll remember six months from now, maybe even a couple weeks. I-, I really enjoyed it for what it was. I can't understate that enough. It was an Omega and Phoenix. Allen's selling was great. It was really a glorified squash. Cage completely killed Allen up until the Sting appearance, which... I think would have meant more had Sting not been on the show every fucking week for the last month. If we saw Sting when he debuted, and maybe he cut the promo the week after, and then he didn't come back until now, I think this would have meant a lot more. I just, I don't know. I just felt like the interference was logical, but it was just way too predictable, and I expected Allen to retain it as a result. So, overall, though, I did really, really like this, and I love the long-term storytelling, but there are a few things I would I, I would have tweaked about it. Just, just a few. No, I thought this was a good match for what it was. I wish they got more time. Yep. Not that it rushed. I just, they got like 12 minutes, if that. And like you said, glorified squash. Um, I like I like Team Taz. I just, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with them. I feel like they're just fucking big. Like, they're like a WWE faction and heels, and they just fucking lose constantly. Like, I didn't think Cage was going to win here, but like, I don't know. It's so, I don't know what they're doing with him either. I feel like every time he, every time he's lost, it's not even like he like, he has it out every time, so I, I get it. Like, he had the distraction. He kind of got, like, squ- like cradled off the top row. So, I mean, it's not like he, like, really got pinned or, like, then he lost to John Moxley with that kind of, like, the, the stupid hand thing. Like, I don't know. I like them. I just feel like they're, like, I don't know. I they, It's hard to describe. I think the match for what it was was good. It was a glorified squash, and Darby went at the end. Sting coming out. I mean, it was so fucking predictable. He knew once Starks got involved that he was coming out, which happened. And then they lost, and then they just ran away as it's snowing in Jacksonville, which I, just, I don't get that either. But um, I, I, I'm so high on Team Taz, and they're just, like, starting to lose me because they can never win it when it matters most. And they give this guy, this, their big guy, this fake title, and he's never won a match that mattered. I just uh, – they're just another team I just – or another performer in this company that I really like, and I just feel like they don't know what they're doing with them or they're just wasting them. Like, I like Darby as well, so I'm not, like, bitching that Darby won because I thought Darby would win anyways, but, like, I don't know. I feel like Team Taz just looks like a fucking joke right now. They, they constantly lose when it matters most. They're always on the show. Taz is probably one of the best promos in the business right now. Mm-hmm. Stark, great. They all, like, besides Powerhouse Hobbs, I feel like he's kind of out of place, but I like Stark's Cage and Taz. I like them as the three, and then they added Hook. Who cares? Lots about him as well. Yeah, who but- cares? But, like, I thought they were going to be, like, this big heel group, but they feel like a WWE heel group that they put these guys together and they, they're great, but then when it matters most, they just lose, and then eventually they break up, and then you just forget about them. And there are, like, a fucking trivia question in, like, three years of teams that you never remember. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And um, I think it's an issue of just AEW having too talented of a roster. Like, if it was, you know, Joey Janela 
as the TNT champion and he lost, Brian Cage lost, I would probably have a problem with that. It's just because they have so many good people on their roster. You can't push everyone at once. With Cage, I will say, I think he's only lost two matches, I think period. I don't even know if he's lost tag team matches, but I know he got beat by Moxley. He lost this match. Um, wasn't even decisive. I think actually Allen had to roll him up. I think Moxley had to roll him up too, or he never tapped out or whatever it was. Yeah, he got cradled off the top rope in this one, and then the the Moxley one tasked him in the towel. So, like, he has been protected, but, like... Yeah, no, no, I agree. I completely agree. I think he should be bigger than he is, but I just don't think it's his time yet. That's what kind of what I was getting out with the Miro and Brody Lee stuff, where I think these guys could be a top-tier champion, um, it's just not their time. So that's kind of going back to that original discussion. I feel like that's part of the problem, dude, is that they have so many good people. A lot of these people, though, are heels. Cage, Brody, and Miro are all great heels. Obviously, Brody no longer around due to his passing a couple weeks ago. But, like, Miro and Cage, two great heels, should be at that top tier level, getting title shots, maybe even being the world champion, can be dominant in the heels. The problem with all those people that I just mentioned is that they're all kind of the same and that they should be dominant, you know, main event level heels. You can't really do that with them right now when Moxley, or I'm sorry, Omega is the champ and he's a heel champion. So what do you do with these guys in the meantime when they're not going to win the TNT title? Stark's already lost. Cage already lost. I mean, what do they go for the tag titles that are held by the Bucks? Maybe? I don't know. It's They're in a very weird position right now because I don't see them beating if they do Allen and Sting versus Team Taz. I don't see Sting losing that, so I don't know what you do with him right now. Yeah, but I also agree with you. So they have a talented roster, which I agree. But then they keep turning all these people so they can't push them singly because, like you said, there's heels champions or someone's holding the belt that should have the belt before them, which I completely agree with. But then you turn them into like a makeshift tag team and they do nothing. It's like, oh, like, like Jericho and all those guys, like MGF, they're going to turn them all into a tag team because they have nothing else to do with them. You know, same with Team Taz. Like, they're great, but they're going to put them in a tag team. And then they're like... Then they're getting TV time, and then FTR's not getting on the show, and they already have a thousand tag teams that don't even wrestle on the show. It's just, it is, I will say, it is kind of a product of having so many, so much talent with not a lot of spaces, but, like, maybe they shouldn't have signed us so many, I don't know, it's just, like, it's crazy. I think they just have so many people, they just don't know what the fuck to do with them. Yeah, no, again, it's a good problem to have, because they have a really talented roster, but, um... Yeah, I just don't know what you do with them going forward. But again, that's that's a minor nitpick, I would say, a minor criticism from my end of AEW. I think overall the shows are enjoyable to watch, NXT as well. And I thought they were two good shows this week. The same cannot be said for Raw. Uh, but maybe maybe we have better luck next week. I feel like I said that all the time, and it just never pans out. But we do have the Royal Rumble coming up. That is worth getting excited over. Uh, that's coming up in two weeks, two and a half weeks. So we have the Royal Rumble prediction show coming up in two and a half weeks. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it, Mr. Marcel. Any final thoughts before we ride off into the sunset here? I got nothing, GSM. <laughs> no words of wisdom to close off the episode? Don't watch, yeah, don't watch Raw. Don't watch Raw. Truer words have never been spoken. Um, but, yeah, so we'll talk all about Raw, NXT, Dynamite next week. More often than not, we do, but I'm, I'm you know, bearing any major, um, you know, major happening. So I guess we'll find out next week what's going on. But at the current stage, we will be reviewing Raw, Dynamite, and NXT per usual. Uh, but people can check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. Uh, you can find Mr. Marceau on the Twitter machine at RG underscore Marceau, myself at WrestleRant. Um, I did attach the Stone Cold Steve Austin interview to the top of this episode, and then next week it's going to be AJ Styles, so that's worth looking forward to. 
as well, or as you would like to call him, Mr. Marceau, C.J. Miles, uh, the the uh, marginal one from WWE. Yeah, when you were having that confluffle with the Motor City Machine Guns, I was going to say, like, the Detroit Assault Rifles. <laughs> you talking about if they came to WWE? You were saying, like, oh, like, if they came to WWE, like, you said the old cows, the young Oh, for the cows. box, yeah. The Detroit Firearms. Assault <laughs> oh, Rifles, God. Like that. God, that is terrible. Um, but maybe that's better than Wesley. I think that's a fucking terrible name. But who knows? That That's a, that's a discussion for another day. Mr. Marceau, have an awesome one. I'll catch you next week, brother. Do you like this one?